Amen. Wasn't it encouraging to see these young folks up here leading today? One of the things, one of the things that I love about our church is that we do not see our students as the church of the future. We believe that they are the church of the now. And uh, they have a place, if God has called them, God has equipped them, they have a place among us, among all of us, to serve and to lead. And so I'm grateful for our student ministry, I'm grateful for our next-gen ministry, I'm especially thankful for our worship ministry who also sees this uh, and sees them as a very important and vital uh, part of who we are as a church. And I think this is a very important, it's great, we didn't plan this out, it just so happened to be the day that they would be up here leading and serving, but it fits with the topic of today. Today's message is on serving, upon service. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning, so why don't you go ahead and make your way to that text, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I have been a superhero fan for as long as I can remember. I don't know where it began, uh, maybe watching Adam West on his Batman show a long time ago, if you know what I'm talking about, those of you who are old enough to remember, I watched the reruns. Uh, every time you take a swing at a bad guy, it would say "bam" on the screen, and uh, and his sidekick Robin. I don't know if it started with that, that, or with uh, going to the drugstore on Frederick Street, and uh, just on the outskirts of Owensboro, Kentucky, we would go into the uh, drugstore, and while my parents were shopping for other things, I was thumbing through the comic book selection, and I always walked out with either a Green Lantern comic book or a Spider-Man comic book. And uh, so I don't know why I've been fascinated, uh, uh, not just then, but I, I continue to be fascinated even to now with uh, characters who are endowed with special abilities. And I'm not the only one. Um, I, I took a look at it. You know, the, out of the, the top 10 uh, highest grossing movies of all time, four of the top 10 uh, are superhero movies. And seven of the top ten feature some kind of character with uh, special powers. And I, I don't know if, it, if it's just me, it's why so many of us are intrigued. There's something about knowing that there could be people out there that can do things or have empowered uh, with special abilities that we do not have. Um, you know, beyond the normal. What would it be like to live in a world in which... People are walking around with special abilities and walking among us. What would that world look like? Can you imagine that world? Well, you're living in that world. Believe it or not, there are people among us who have been empowered. They have been equipped with unique abilities that are not normal. They're not their normal. I'm talking about you folks. You do realize that I'm talking about you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has gifted you. You have a spiritual gift, at least one. You have been empowered, spiritually speaking. And I'm not saying that you're a superhero. Don't, don't try to climb a wall, okay? Don't do that. But I am telling you that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you've been endowed with at least one spiritual gift that the Lord can use for the common good. And of course, if He's gifted you with these gifts, you know what He expects of you? He expects that you use them. He expects that you will 
serve. This current series that we're in is called Habits, and we've been looking at spirit-empowered disciplines, grace-empowered habits. And these habits, or as some call them disciplines, are the means that God has given to us that if we will embrace them and walk in them, that we will live and enjoy life to the full. So far we've taken a look at Bible intake and the importance of reading your Bible and studying your Bible and memorizing the Bible and pouring and meditating upon the Scriptures. We've talked about prayer and fasting and the importance of sharing the gospel and, and, and stewardship of giving. And last week we talked about fellowship. Well, today we're, we're looking at yet another habit. It's the habit of service. It's the seventh out of eight habits. That means next week is the last. You'll get the final habit next week. But today's habit is service. We are all to engage in service, engaging in ministry and care and the building up of one another. It's like that great philosopher and superhero Peter Parker who once said, with great power comes what? Great responsibility. See, I'm not the only comic book fan, only superhero fan here. Even Spider-Man gets it. As Christians, we've been given spiritual gifts. We have been empowered, equipped, and with those gifts and the equipping and the empowerment of those gifts is the expectation that we will serve, that we have a responsibility to serve others. That's what we're going to find as we examine Paul's instructions on spiritual gifts that you see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So let's stand, let's read. I'm going to read verse 1 first, and then we'll jump to verse 4, all right? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Here's what Paul writes. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now look at verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Would you pray with me for a moment? Lord, already this day, we've seen the example of those who've been called to serve, who are willing to say yes to it. For all of these that are serving, that have been serving on the stage, some serving behind the scenes, working in our tech ministries, some even now are next door, working in our next-gen ministry, caring for, for kids, caring for preschoolers, caring for babies. There are some that are walking this campus, even as I speak, serving uh, in our security ministry, keeping watch over us and protecting us. We have some that will be serving at doors and have been serving at doors as greeters. Lord, this is a church filled up with servants, and I'm grateful for them. But Lord, not all of us are serving and that's because many of us are ignorant about our spiritual giftedness. Lord, that you have equipped us and empowered us with spiritual gifts that we would embrace and be expected to serve. And Lord, our church is healthiest 
when everyone finds their place and gets busy doing what you've called them and equipped them to do. Lord, may it be our habit that we serve others and we engage in ministry and we care for others for the building up of the common good we pray. May it so be in the name of Jesus we pray it. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go ahead and have a seat. The book of 1 Corinthians happens to be one of my more favorite books of the New Testament. I've studied it. I've taught it a few times. Uh, it's a fascinating book to me because I believe it reminds me so much of the modern-day church, the church in the Western culture. It's a messed-up church. In fact, I think I once preached a series here through the entire book called Messy Church. It's a church that's really struggling in a lot of ways. And so Paul is addressing a number of subjects here, uh, dealing with the church. It's in the middle of a godless culture that's being impacted by the culture, being influenced by the culture. Uh, he also, in the, context, in the course of his teaching, addresses a number of subjects, a number of problems that they're dealing with. They're, they are a disunified group of people. They are struggling with immorality, even among their body. Uh, they also engaged in proper practices, including abusing the, the Lord's Supper or misusing their spiritual gifts. Well, it's in chapter 12 that the Apostle Paul takes on the subject of spiritual giftedness and, and addresses it. And it's why he writes in verse 1, these words, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, Paul's telling them this because they've been ignorant. They, they've been misunderstood what their giftedness was about, what it was for, um, wh why it, it, it was important. And so they had either been using these gifts to improperly benefit themselves or they just not used them at all, not used them to serve others. And can I tell you, they're not the only people that are ignorant about spiritual gifts. I think a lot of people today are, are ignorant about it. I don't know there are some among us and some uh, in, the, in the broader Christian community that have very particular ideas about spiritual gifts and, uh, and what gifts are important and what gifts should, should be, not be uh, used anymore. We're not going to get into all of that today. But there are a lot of Christians, I believe, that are just flat out ignorant about spiritual gifts. And many, it's perhaps why many of us are not serving. We're not using our gifts for the building up of the church. Well, Paul's teaching here that we find is specifically about spiritual gifts, but embedded in his teaching is the expectation that if you've been gifted, you will use them to serve others. So I want us to dive into this text. We'll, we'll, actually, the anchor verse that we'll be looking at is verse 7. Because in verse 7, you'll find uh, all three of the points that I'm going to present to you today uh, mentioned or referred to there. Uh, in fact, three truths that I want to reveal to you about this habit of serving. And the first is this. We are equipped to serve. You are equipped to engage in service. The reason why we want to have the habit of service is that the Spirit of God has equipped you to serve. Uh, he, that is, He's equipped you with spiritual gifts. And I'm not talking about uh, the not-so-spiritual gifts that you often see in churches. You know, the gift of uh, gossip, uh, the, the, the gift of receiving instead of giving. Those aren't really spiritual gifts, of course. I'm not talking about those kind of things. I, I'm talking about true spiritual gifts. Now, this may be hard for some of you to understand because you, you feel like you have nothing to offer. You, know, you, you see people up on the stage, you, you, you sit in a classroom, in a Sunday school class or a community group, and you see somebody that's teaching, you think, I, I don't have any of those kind of gifts. I don't, I, I don't have the ability to do what these other people are doing. The best I can do is just show up. Uh, and so you don't see yourself in, in, in having any kind of, of spiritual gift at all. Well, you need to know this. It may be hard for you to grasp, 
But every Christian has a spiritual gift. That means you have a spiritual gift. You are gifted in some kind of way. It's why Paul says in verses 4 and following these, these words. He says there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And then this statement, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. He didn't say to some, right? He said to each. That means you. You are equipped. You have been gifted by the Spirit. You have the manifestation of the Spirit. Do you know what your spiritual gifting is? If so, are you using it? Apparently there are many who do not know and they're not using it. And so if you don't know your spiritual giftedness, if you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are, how can you be all that God has intended for you to be? And how can you engage in the service that God has, God has called you to serve? Again, in, in verse 4, 5, and 6, Paul is telling us there's a variety in the life of the church. Lots of variety within the church. Varieties of gifts, varieties of service, varieties of activities. What that tells me is that we're not supposed to be a vanilla church, right? We're supposed to have a lot of diversity. Not everybody's going to be the preacher. Not everybody's going to be the person on stage playing an instrument. Not everybody is going to be serving in uh, the preschool area. Not everyone is going to be a greeter. But we need all of these and more. We, we need all of us. Not everyone's going to have the same giftedness. There are going to be differences among us. We need to understand that, appreciate that, and embrace that. Why is that? It's because we all need to serve. If we're going to meet all the needs and all of the ministries that the church is called to embrace that's why a variety in spiritual giftedness is needed. It's why Paul is talking about it here. In fact, notice the variety in the list that's given down in verse 8. I just read this a moment ago, but listen to it again. How different these gifts are. He says, one is given the spirit, uh, through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Verse 9, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. So I've counted nine different empowerments here. But then jump down to verse 28 outside of our text. You see, Paul gives even more. Verse 28, God has appointed in the church first apostles, and second prophets, and third teachers, and then miracles. And then gifts of healing and helping and administrating and various kinds of tongues. And so we're over 15 now at, at this moment. Paul gives another listing in Romans chapter 12. You don't have to get, go there, but listen to this. Having gifts, verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in, in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who act, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we've gotten this long list, and they're not all the same list. A lot of ink has been spilled in books and resources trying to help us understand spiritual giftedness. Some say that the, these that are listed in the Scriptures are the only spiritual gifts that are available. Others say that these lists were never intended to be exhaustive lists. They're just representative of the types of spiritual gifting that the Spirit can give. Now, we're going to save all the particulars for, for another message series or a, or a special class on this. The, the point that I want to get to here and what I believe Paul is getting to here uh, is that if you are a believer, you are gifted. 
You are equipped. Every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. And the church needs lots of these, uh, lots of Christians uh, that have been equipped with lots of ways to do ministry and for lots of service. And that you have what you need to serve. Anybody remember the TV show MacGyver? Remember that TV show? If you don't know much about MacGyver, MacGyver was a, 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 a special agent. And it, it just so happened every single episode he found himself in some type of predicament that was impossible to escape unless you were MacGyver. And he had just had this way. He would find himself uh, enclosed in a small, a small space, not a lot of resources available to him, but whatever he needed... He had available. He needed to create an explosion. If he just could find a battery, three toothpicks, and some toothpaste, he could create a bomb. Every time, he could do that. Whatever the situation called for, he was equipped. That's my point. Friend, I'm telling you that you are equipped too. Whatever situation, whatever call to, to service, whatever ministry the Lord lays upon you, you have been equipped. I have been equipped. We have been equipped. But friend, we have been equipped to serve. And He's given us what we need. Now let's talk, talk a moment about these Corinthians and their ignorance, as Paul mentions there in verse 1, back in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, I, concerning these spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. You see, the, the, the Corinthians, part of the problem and why Paul is addressing them in this, in this text, the way he's addressing them, they were acting as if they were more spiritual than they really were. They acted as, as if they had chosen their gifts. They behaved as if they had chosen their gifts. And there was a lot of disunity and comparisons being made. And they, they had some of the d d divisions that they had is that they were grouping up with others that were like them. And if they had certain gifts... Uh, that felt like the, that were more exotic of the gifts, more expressive gifts, that, that was sort of in their minds an indicator that they were more spiritual than the other people that were in the church. And so they, they, they really thought, some of these Corinthian believers really thought they were it, spiritually speaking. In fact, they loved the term spiritual. That was just a favorite term that they like to toss around. They thought they were spiritual. They, they used their spiritual giftedness to prove their spiritual, spirituality, or so they thought. Well, here in chapter 12, Paul decides to turn their, their favorite word spiritual uh, uh, against them. I mean, if you look at verses, uh, verse 1 and verse 4, Paul, Paul seems to be using similar words in verses 1 and verse 4. In verse 1, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. See that? But then look in verse 4 when he says, now there are varieties of gifts. Now you and I, we're reading this in the English language and because we're reading it in an English translation and not the original language, we would not see that there are actually two different words being used in the original language that are translated as the same word in our language, which is gifts. But you know these two words, the word gift in verse 1, the word gift in verse 4, not the same Greek words. In verse 1, the Greek word is the word pneumaticon. The root of that is pneuma, which means spirit. Uh, literally, it's a reference to, to spiritual persons or, or people that are endowed with spiritual gifts. And so what, 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 what the problem for the Corinthian believers, for many of them, is that they saw their giftedness as a spirituality indicator. The more dramatic the gift that they had meant that the more of the spirit that they had. Do you get what I'm saying? And so if, if you spoke in tongues or if you had the gift of prophecy that sort of puts you higher up the, the, the chart 
than if you had the, the low gift of service. And so Paul counters uh, their claim of spirituality with a new term. Uh, he uses their term in verse 1, but he uses a different term in verse 4 when he says that there are varieties of gifts. That word gift is not pneumaticon like in verse 1. In verse 4, it's the Greek word charismaton. The root of that is charis, meaning grace. And so he, he is telling them, it's not spiritual gifts that you have, they are grace gifts. Be mindful that they've been given by grace. Here, here's what Paul was teaching about their gifts. Spiritual gifts are not spirituality indicators. They don't indicate the level of your spirituality. Just because I may have the gift of teaching, which is a more prominent gift in the, in the church because you find yourself in front of others teaching, it, it does not mean that I'm more spiritual than you if you have the gift of hospitality. No, Paul says these are not spirituality indicators. They are just simply spirit indicators. They only indicate the, the presence of the Spirit. If you have a spiritual gift, it means the Holy Spirit is within you. So spiritual gifts, a better way to describe them would be grace gifts. They are given by grace to people of grace. Not one gift more important than the other. So how do we get them? Well, look at verse 7. He says, to each is given the manifestation of the what? Spirit. Of the Spirit. And so what this does is it reveals the, the second truth about why we should have the habit of service, and that is we are empowered to serve. We don't empower ourselves. We don't choose these gifts. God chooses. God does the empowerment. As Paul says, that our spiritual giftedness is the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, manifestation is sort of a, a declaration. It's a bestowal. And so Paul's saying, look, you didn't go after these gifts. It's not based upon how spiritual you are. The Spirit has chosen these for you. The Spirit has offered these to you. They're not given to us because we deserve them. The spiritual gifts are not given to us because we choose them or because we deserve them spiritually. No, they've been given to us in spite of that. It's by grace. So we don't choose them. God chooses them. And if God does the choosing, guess what that means? That means the Spirit has empowered us. He's empowered us. We've been empowered to serve. Our gifts are not derived from us. They're derived from the Holy Spirit given by the grace of God. It's, a, it's given to us by His grace. Remember, grace is something we receive when we don't deserve it. And so it's not based on who we are or what we've achieved it's in spite of that. So you've had nothing to do with your giftedness. You didn't choose your gifts. The Holy Spirit has chosen them for you. And let me tell you why this is so much better than you choosing your gifts. Because if we choose our gifts, if you choose your gift, then you only get what you can do through them, right? But the Holy Spirit gives them to you. If God chooses our gifts, then we get through our gifts what God can do with them. In other words, what comes with His choice is his empowerment. He equips us with spiritual gifts and therefore he, there, he empowers us to serve. Now if that's not clear enough for you, jump down to verse 11. In verse 11, Paul plainly states this. He says, all of these, talking about all these spiritual gifts that he's given in the list right before that, all of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God chooses, but he chooses these gifts for you that you might be empowered through them. Now this may be the, the difference between a natural talent and a spiritual gift. See, it's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
See, if you, it, let's just say you, you compare a believer and a non-believer. And, and, and upon the surface, they both appear to have the same kind of shape for service. You know, on the surface, on the outside. But say both of them appear to have the gift of hospitality. So they're both kind. They, they both think of other people first. Uh, they turn on the thought by, by the thought of serving other people. They're both in ministry wired to do so. So what's the difference between a believer who has the gift of hospitality and a non-believer who is just hospitable? You know what the difference is? The difference is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in this one, and the Holy Spirit is not in the other. The Holy Spirit dwells in the believer while he doesn't dwell in the unbeliever. So when the believer uh, is using his or her gift of, the, of hospitality, their hospitality comes with Holy Spirit empowerment. The, the Spirit is working and doing through them in a way that He's not doing and working in the life of the unbeliever. Let me just tell you, there was a point in my life, in my ministry, where I knew God had called me into the ministry, but I didn't think that I was called to be a preacher. Well, I knew he called me to be a preacher. I just didn't think I was going to be a good one. Now, whether I'm a good one or not, I'll leave that up to you. Please don't give me a thumbs up or down right now, okay? But there was a moment when I was in seminary and, and I was living in Fort Worth. Where I was serving on the staff of First Baptist Dallas uh, under the, the, the pastor and preaching of Dr. O.S. Hawkins. And I remember sitting, it was a Wednesday night. It's very clear to me. It was a Wednesday night. We had a, a, a Bible study hour, and he was delivering a, a, a message to a small crowd. I was sitting about over where some of you got, Gary, about where you were sitting. And I remember sitting there looking up, and if you know much about Dr. O.S. Hawkins, one of the finest expositor preachers uh, that I've ever been around, just an incredible preacher uh, of the Word of God. And I knew I would never reach his level of being able to, to preach the Word of God, but but I remember sitting there looking up at him and going, Lord, I know you've called me to be a pastor and I know that that requires me to preach, but you're going to have to help me here because I can't do this. I, I cannot be a preacher of the word. I will never get close to him. And if that means you need to send me to, to far off uh, western Oklahoma uh, to preach in a small town. And listen, I don't mean to offend anybody from Oklahoma here, but I didn't want to go there, all right? But Lord, if, that, if it meant doing that, Lord, you're going to have to give me what I need in order for me to be the preacher you've called me to be. Here's what I've learned after many, many years of ministry. What I've learned is, is that if the Lord has called you to serve, he will equip you to serve. Um, and I noticed and watched as God has used that gift in my life. So the Holy Spirit has, has equipped you so that you can serve. And likewise, he, he's empowered you to do what you cannot do otherwise. And if he's gone to all of that trouble, do you know what he expects of us? If he's equipped you to serve and he's empowered you to serve, guess what? He expects you to serve. He would not go to all of that length and all of that trouble. The Holy Spirit would not give you something to use for the building up of the church if you're just going to sit on that gift. And that's our final truth for the day. We are expected to serve. See, so there, there's actually a purpose for your spiritual giftedness, and it's not so that you can use it as a spirituality indicator and prove to everyone else that you're right with Jesus. That's not what its, its purpose is. It isn't to benefit yourself. It's for the benefit of others. Verse 7, one more time. He says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? For the common good. So we've been equipped. 
with spiritual giftedness. We have been empowered to serve. And the reason that, that he's done that is so that we can contribute to the common good. He's talking about the common good of the church, of the kingdom. Another way to put that is he's gifted you, he's gifted me, he's equipped you, he's equipped me, he's empowered you, he's empowered me so that we would serve to build up other people. You know, after chapter 12 concludes, if you know much about the, the, the arc of uh, Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians, he, he takes a break and he goes into chapter 13 and he starts talking about love. We talk about Rome, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is a love chapter. Well, after he gets through 1 Corinthians 13, he jumps right back into the discussion of spiritual gifts in chapter 14. And there in chapter 14, verse 12, so 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, won't you turn there and look at this? Because he's talking about the manifestation of the Spirit again. He says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Here's why you and I have been equipped and empowered with spiritual gifts. It's so that we can build up the church by serving. That's the reason. You've been gifted for a reason. That's to serve. And so he is expecting you and I to do that very thing. And if you don't use what he's given to you, you know, it's not you that suffers. You know what suffers? The church, the rest of us. If you've been gifted to build up the church and you're not using your gift to serve the church, it's the rest of us that lose out. The Lord expects you to serve. Like all these other spiritual disciplines, when it comes to service, you don't have a choice. Serve, because the Lord expects that you're equipped to serve, you've been empowered to serve. What you need to then say is, okay, yes, yes, I will. You know, someone who once said yes was a man by the name of Herb Turetsky. He was a college student uh, in Brooklyn when he uh, traveled over to uh, a National Guard armory for the very first game of the New Jersey Americans' first ever ABA game. If you don't know much about your, your pro basketball history, there used to be the NBA, but there was also the ABA, and they eventually merged into one league that we know as the NBA today. Well, Herb went to the very first ever ABA game of a team known as the New Jersey Americans. He was, a, again, a college student at the time. He had arrived early for the game. When he arrived early at the game, he ran into Max Zaslowski, who was the coach of the, of the New Jersey American basketball team. They actually had, uh, both of them had attended the same high school uh, at one point. And so uh, Herb, uh, Max greets Herb as he walked in. He says, hey, Herb. Man, I'm glad you're here. Can you help us out and, and keep the score of the game tonight? To which Max said, or he says, Herb says, Max, I'd love to. I'm, I'm here, so why not? And so he sits down in a folded wooden, wooden chair at half court and begins to write down uh, the, the, the lineups, and he kept doing that. In fact, for more than 54 years, uh, Herb continued to do that after 2,200-plus games. Even after the team was absorbed into the NBA and he ended up moving to several cities, uh, he served for 54 years as the official scorekeeper of that team, even becoming known as the Michael Jordan of scorekeepers. And it all came down to one simple yes that led to a lifetime of meaningful service. Friend, that's what I'm calling you to do today, not to work for an NBA team, all right? Not to keep score, but to say yes to serving. Now, what that looks like for you, I, I don't know. 
I will tell you that our, our church staff and our team, we're here to help you, to help you if you don't know what your spiritual gift is or, or how you might be able to serve. Uh, there's opportunities of, of, of abounding here. People see our church and see a large church and say, you know, that church never, ever would need my help. They've got all the help that they need. And I promise you, spend about three minutes with one of our staff people, you'll find out that that is the, the biggest lie of all. There are more things to be done and not enough people willing to say yes. And a lot gets done around here, I won't tell you, because we've got some faithful people that are part of our church family who said yes a long time ago and they keep saying yes. But if you were to ask them, would you like a little bit of help in your service? They'd be quick to say yes to that too. There's all kinds of opportunity in our church and outside of our church as we seek to live out the kingdom of God here and build up the kingdom of God. And we're willing to help you You've just got to be willing to say yes. My friend, the first thing, though, you need to say yes to before you say yes to serving Jesus and to serving his church is to say yes to Jesus. Just as I mentioned last time, as much as fellowship is important, the point isn't the fellowship. The point is Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that as a, as a follower of Jesus, a, a true follower of Jesus needs to embrace spiritual gifts, and that would include the, the, the habit uh, of serving. As much as that is important, all of that is secondary to the fact that you need to say yes to Jesus and have a relationship with Him. Following Jesus is primo. Following after Him is first. And these habits Embracing our spiritual gifts and serving and reading the Bible and praying and giving and telling others about Jesus, as important as they are, all of them are secondary to saying yes to Him and trusting Him as your Lord and Savior. And so the point of our service as a church, when we get together and we serve, the point is that we are seeking to build up the kingdom of God so that people can see Jesus, hear His message, and follow Him and trust Him. So today I want to encourage you to say yes to Him. Say yes to serving, of course. But before you do that, say yes to Jesus. Let me tell you why you need to say yes to Jesus. Because in your natural state, you're already telling Him no. The Scriptures tell us that we're all separated from God because of our sin. We have no relationship with Him. We're born naturally into this state. And because of our sin, not only are we separated from Him in the moment we are separated from Him for all of eternity. And that because of our sin, we will pay the ultimate consequence of being uh, separated from Him and not enjoying fellowship with Him forever and forever. And the only way for us to be right with the Lord, the only way for us to, to close the gap and to no longer be separated from Him, but to be united with Him in a relationship is based upon what Jesus did for you and for me a long time ago. The Bible tells us that God, who is both God and man, God came to earth in, in Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a perfect life. And when he was 33 years of age, he laid down his life upon the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and for mine. Jesus died so that your sins may be forgiven. Now that forgiveness is not automatic. It only comes to those who recognize that they're sinners, who Ask the Lord to, to forgive them of their sin and say yes to the Lordship of Christ. And what I mean by that is you say, Jesus, I no longer want to be the God of my life. I want you to be my God. I no longer want to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be Lord. I no longer want to be the boss of my life. I want you to be boss. 
And so saying yes to Jesus means believing in him and turning to him and living for him. So I want to encourage you today to trust Jesus by faith. And if you trust him by faith, he empowers you to do what you cannot do on your own, to live for him and, and to follow him to the end of your days. And friend, if you've not trusted him, I'm going to encourage you to make sure that that happens today before you go. If you'd like to say yes to Jesus after we have prayed our last prayer, there's another song to be sung and, a, and some announcements and a prayer. But following that prayer, when we've concluded the service, there's going to be a pastor standing over at this cross to your left, to my right. And if you approach that pastor to say, look, I'd like to say yes to Jesus today, you may not know everything that that means, but they'll have a conversation with you about how that can be true for you today. And today, you can find forgiveness in Jesus if you say yes to him. Can I pray for you? Let me do that. Lord, I'm fully aware that most of the people in this room today have already said yes to you. And for them, I'm grateful because I know, Lord, you have called them to salvation. And that means that your Holy Spirit is indwelling them. And because your Holy Spirit is indwelling them, Lord, we know that the manifestation of the Spirit has been granted to them. They've been equipped with spiritual giftedness. They have been empowered by your Spirit. And therefore, you have called them and expect them to serve. And so, Lord, let them find their place. I know this subject and its application is, is wide. And so, Lord, if they're not serving, I pray that if, if anything, that this message today would, in, would bring conviction upon them, help them to see that our church needs them. For all of the varieties of ministries, for all the varieties of people, Lord, you have called us, all of us, to serve so that we can build up the kingdom of God together for the common good. So, Lord, help them to find their place, I pray. But Lord, for those who have not yet trusted you, Lord, there is no way that they can experience Holy Spirit empowerment because the Holy Spirit is not within them. And so Lord, I pray for those who even now, the Holy Spirit from the outside is working to bring conviction upon their hearts. The Lord, even now that they would sense the Holy Spirit bringing conviction upon their heart, their lives, so that they recognize that at this moment, they are outside of the faith, but that, Lord, through the conviction, you will awaken them to see that they need to say yes to you. Lord, I pray you empower them to do that. Let those who do not yet know you find you today. Save them, Lord. And then, Lord, I pray you come and take up residency within them through your Holy Spirit and equip them and call them to serve alongside the rest of us. This is our request. This is our ask today, and we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.